0: Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Old Testament book of Second Samuel. Remember, we have service here tonight, 6.30. We like to have pre-service prayer at 6 in the prayer room, just down the hall amen appreciate each of you being here amen had a pretty good crowd each night for revival appreciate those that come every night praise the lord um i was uh, thinking with this being the service following revival i wanted to share something that i want to kind of link uh, up with um, what the Lord maybe has done in some hearts and lives. And so uh, I really felt to come this direction from Second Samuel 23 and look at two verses of Scripture, 11 and 12. 2 Samuel 23, 11 and 12. Now... If you don't have your Bible or your Bible app, uh, let's look on the screens. Maybe the text will be there as well. And after him was Shama, the son of Agi the Herarite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, a.k.a. beans. Everybody say beans. And the people, that's Israel, fled from the Philistines. But he, that's referring to Shammah, he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. He stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and the Lord brought, uh, wrought a great victory. Here this morning, Lord, thank you for this account, this record I pray that as we look into it, you would open our eyes, that that we see your truth. Lord, let our ears be open to hear the voice of God, our minds, our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, I pray that you would glorify yourself, magnify yourself in your word this morning. Jesus name, everybody say amen. God bless you, you can be seated. I want to share along this topic when bean fields become battlefields. When bean fields become battlefields. Now, this text is one of the briefest battle scenes recorded in scripture, but it is one of my absolute favorites. We find it's inserted here in a section of scripture that is giving an account of some of the heroic deeds of those that have become known as David's mighty men. Remember them? We don't know much about Shammah, but he appears to have been a farmer as well as a warrior. And eventually a member of King David's elite fighting force. And actually, out of about 30 of David's mighty men, he actually is in a category among three others who became David's three personal bodyguards. Okay, Bible commentators have determined that this field of beans that if you look in the framework of this text, they believe this field of beans was located in Lehi, um, and it had no particular significance from, you would think, maybe a strategic military perspective. Okay? Okay. It was just a field of beans. Maybe that's why the rest of the Israelites abandoned their defense of it. Does that make sense? To them, it was literally a worthless hill of beans. Hmm. But to Shammah, it was more than that. Did you hear me? He saw this hill of beans as a symbol of provision that was going to feed his family. Those beans represented nourishment for his wife and his children. Evidently, he believed that conceding the bean field to the Philistines would compromise the welfare. Of his family therefore he decided i'm not going to budge an inch this time he decided to stand firm and turn that bean field into a battlefield willing to risk his life defending his family's provisions for him that bean field became a sacred battlefield for him He defended it like a gold mine. Listen, how many know beans don't just spring up on their own? Someone had to plow. Someone had to plant. Someone had to cultivate. Someone had to water and irrigate and care for them for an entire season. So Shammah looked at this and maybe he himself had worked hard to get where he was. He knew that if he turned and fled, he was going to have to start all over again. Somewhere else. So when the Philistine warriors made their way into Shammah's hometown in order to steal and kill and destroy his peers all fled the scene in order to avoid the intensity of the battle, but not Shammah. He stood his ground and single handedly denied any surrender to the enemy invaders. He was hardwired with commitment with pulsating bravery, refusing these enemy thugs any ownership of any part of his inheritance. That was Israel's property. Hello. And Shammah knew he belonged to God and so did his beings. Hello. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you now five observations Uh from a hill of beans. All right, five observations from a hill of beans. Number one, observation number one, are you ready? God is looking for someone to fight the enemy even for the small things. Now, I believe that the reason this story is so noteworthy is because very few believers today are willing to fight with this kind of... Uh, tenacity for the small blessings, the small gains, the small advances that they have. This is an incident where immense commitment is given for seemingly just a small territory. It was just a, a plot or a piece of ground. That's what it's referred to in the text. I mean, come on, pastor. It's just a bean patch. But yet Shamma stands before us as one who was unwilling to sacrifice even the smallest portion of land to the enemy. Amen. He represents that rare believer who sees the need for defending even the small victories. The truth is too many of God's children are giving up ground too easily. Amen, pastor. They are deciding to flee rather than fight. And verse 11 says, and the people fled from the Philistines. It is obvious from this passage that most of the people of Israel were controlled by fear. They had given in to this defeatist frame of mind. And there was tremendous pressure now on Shammah to follow the crowd. Hello? And if he had, we would not be reading his name in this chapter several thousand years later, would we? Hmm? Going with the flow, Shammah would have simply blended into the background of his culture and of his times. And there are many believers today who are compromising their values and surrendering their virtues. And the sad thing, rather than admit it and repent, they defend it. They do so by redefining themselves, and and they'll even try to redefine Christianity, won't they? They've redefined marriage, and they reshape Christianity so that it comes without a cross or that it comes without any form of commitment. They have redefined sin so to make it more acceptable. They've redefined grace so that they can abuse it and then use their liberty as a license, Paul said. But the lack of faith and compromise and failures of others does not excuse me. How many can say it doesn't excuse me either? And in the end, we will each stand before the Lord and give account of whether we stood and fought or turned and ran. Boy, I want to fight the enemy. Huh? Satan is active in taking ground if we let him. You you find that in verse 11. These Philistines were barbaric. They were cruel. They were pagans. They were idol-worshiping people who were in perpetual conflict with God's chosen people. How many know then and now to fight against Israel is to fight against God? That's right. And to this very day, there is a land struggle between Israel and her neighbors. Most, if not all, of the neighboring nations of Israel want to drive Israel into the sea. It reminds us as believers, though, we must remember that there is a turf war going on. Hmm? And every believer who stands determined to live for Christ, uh, yeah, you may not have realized it, but you signed up as a warrior. Hello. Every believer is called to stand and defend his or her inheritance, his or her plot of real estate, so to speak, spiritually, his or her vital place of influence or service to Christ. And you may not perceive your place to be important or strategic to the cause of Christ, but it is. Satan desires to make your life and your misery or your ministry, excuse me, and your calling seem insignificant as just a hill of beans. Why? Because he wants you to give it up. And that field of beings in and of itself was not much to defend, but as part of the whole, it was very significant. It was God's property, therefore it was important. And your place in the kingdom of God, can I tell somebody this morning, is important. It's important, not just because it belongs to God, but because uh, it's yours as well. And it is the place where warriors are made and victories are forged. And if you place uh, if your place and your life was not valuable and important to God in His kingdom, then how many know the battle wouldn't be raging for it? The devil's fighting you about it because it's, it's valuable. And the intensity of the warfare over your life and your influence or your future verifies its importance to God and His kingdom. And so that is why you must hold your ground. How many know there's fields worth defending? Now look at verse 12. But he stood in the midst of the ground... He defended it, slew the Philistines. Now, we're talking one versus a troop. Now, I don't know how many make up a troop, but I know it's multiple. huh? The Philistines knew if they could wound the Israelites and bring them to a place of hunger they would then be easily defeated. So the Philistines would march through bean fields, trampling down the crops, slaughtering all who were in their way. In comparison, how many know the devil wants to maim and weaken us? So we succumb to his temptations. He doesn't mind if we go to church and sing in the choir. He doesn't even mind if we pray. It's when we tap into the power of God and start serving him with all our heart, that gets his attention. And I pray that we will have the courage to stand up against the enemy, look him straight in the eye, and tell him, you're not taking my bean field. Because you're not going to take what God has given me. I don't care how small it is. It's mine. Hello. The Bible says Shema He purposed in his heart to fight for even this hill of beans. He would fight for what God had given him and defend the right of his people to that property. He decided his bean field was well worth fighting for, even if it meant risking his life. Uh, And so it is for us as a church. Uh, How many know Broadway? Uh, Our bean field is right here at 5495 Broadway, Lorain, Ohio. We can just sit back and watch the end enemy trample and destroy our harvest and we can run away and hide or or we can make up our mind to stand firm in the middle of our bean field and fight for the harvest somebody say fight for the harvest it seems that in every generation there's some key ground that has to be defended have you noticed that so many of our lifetime, we've witnessed great losses in America. Just look around you. You'll find ground that we have lost. Uh, I, I always think here in the next month or so is graduation time, and we begin to hear all sorts of stories about commencement speakers and speeches. Uh, some school a faculty or administrator denies a student the right to mention God. Hello? or the name of Jesus, or the right to pray, or to pray in the name of Jesus. Uh, Today you can lose your job uh, for offending a minority or speaking against blatant immorality. But listen, how many know it's open season on Christianity? Huh? The Ten Commandments and prayer have been banned from many public places. Uh, All of this has happened because many ceased to care, ceased to dare and stand their ground listen as a child of God there must be some things that we are willing to fight for listen there has to be some things that are non-negotiables in our lives and listen the more territory we give up now the more we're going to have to take back later huh did you hear that Listen, sooner or later, we've got to join the battle. We've got to stand beside Shema. Listen, and if they take the bean field today, pretty soon they're going to go after the barley field. If they take the barley field, they're going to go after the corn field. If they take the corn field, they'll go after the sheep. If they take the sheep, they're going to slaughter the cattle. Listen, Philistines aren't nice people, and they didn't make war according to Robert's rules of order. No, they attacked, and they... They plundered, and they started fights. But listen, when somebody said, I'm going to fight back, it showed them and put them on notice. God's people still have a little bit to fight for. Praise God. I believe that God has granted blessings now. I told you I want to join and link this with the revival. You see, God has granted blessings and victories. I have already heard of them. Over the last few nights of the revival, there's been a harvest, a victory. Praise God. We got any Pentecostals in here. But I've also found out, and I'm moving to observation number two, harvest time is the enemy's favorite time to attack. The enemy often comes against us in the midst of blessing, in the midst of victory. He will come when our minds are occupied with the things and the blessings of the Lord. And the enemy here in our text came against Israel for two reasons. To inflict casualties, number one. And secondly, to destroy the crops. And the Philistines knew that if they could wound their enemies and bring them to a place of hunger, they would easily be defeated and then enslaved. And the same is true concerning our enemy, the devil. He comes with, for those two reasons, to inflict casualties and to destroy the harvest. He attacks us so that he might weaken us so that we will be easier to enslave to his will. And it is then that we can be caught off guard, easily defeated, because our attention is focused on the harvest instead of on the enemy who is out to steal the harvest. Do you get that? And the spiritual gains we've received in the five services of spring revival, church, I want to remind you, that's a harvest worth fighting for. If you were encouraged during the revival, the enemy wants to steal that encouragement away. Newsflash, your encouragement is worth fighting for. If you were refreshed and revived, I want you to know that the devil wants to eliminate those spiritual gains from your life. Newsflash, they're worth defending. If you experienced any measure the touch of God, the enemy wants to steal that touch away. It's worth defending. So the question is, regardless of how small your blessing or benefit may be, you cannot allow the enemy to destroy or devour it. Listen, this patch of beans in our text was part of the covenant inheritance that God had promised Israel. And Shamma said, it's our God-given real estate, uh, and I refuse to surrender one square inch uh, of it to this wicked, godless enemy. Uh, so battling for the beans uh, was actually a courageous, a very heroic, a very noble uh, endeavor to Shammah in spite of the fact that his peers uh, walked away from the fight. Uh, to Shammah, the beans had value uh, because they were given by God, not because they were outwardly impressive on their own so the question is are we defending our recent harvest against the enemy I hope you are because I believe this is Sunday we ended revival on Wednesday how many know I can bank the devil's already been at your door knocking trying to talk you out of what you got Hello. And too often we only fight and stand for the big things. We take a stand against, you know, abortion or the sanctity of marriage and the exclusiveness of the gospel, and we'll send money in our prayers to those in need to simply rescue the impoverished. And those things are incredibly important issues. Don't get me wrong, don't misunderstand me. I'm personally involved in each of them in varying degrees. But listen, what about the small, big, patches? Who's going to stand up and fight for that victory that you got in revival? Who's going to stand up and look the enemy square in the eye and plant a no trespassing sign into this often forgotten area of life? Because too many believers have abandoned those small victories and assumed that they were of little value and were not deemed worth fighting for. But Listen friend, I want to tell somebody Body. you need to square your shoulders back you need to look straight ahead at the devil and say you will not you will not steal what God has given me raise your hands and praise him well I'm feeling a little too good for a Sunday morning I've woke a couple of you up You know, some folks have no issue. No issue with a Philistine coming along now and then and taking a little territory. Hmm? Uh, It's not that big of a deal. I'll get it back when camp time comes. Seriously? I need you to realize observation number three. Any. Territory, surrendered to the enemy, becomes his foothold for his next assault. That's the third observation. Any territory surrendered to the enemy becomes a foothold for his next assault. You give the devil a foothold, and it will become a stronghold. Hello. Hello. I better say that again. Oh, you better say that again, Pastor. You give the devil a foothold, it'll become his stronghold. Today's surrender becomes tomorrow's disaster. You see, the bean patch we quit fighting for becomes the enemy's base camp for planning his next invasion of the adjacent acreage of our heart. If I can say it that way, the enemy is not necessarily enamored, like I said, with our beans, but he'll take them if eventually he works his way to our gold. Hello. And this morning, I'm not going to tell you what your personal bean field is. It's different for each of us, but you probably already know. It's that little place or the little places that you stopped fighting for. Hmm? Does that make sense? It's the little surrenders of your heart to the invading enemy. And then we get used to the glory of God not resting there anymore. And it all becomes a memory. But you know, I pray we realize that the surrender of those little areas lead to surrenders of bigger areas that are even more important in our lives. We, uh, for example, surrender our lips and our ears to gossip. And soon the field of our friendship eventually gets burnt up. Christian business person refuses to fight for the bean field of integrity. And eventually he loses the entire field of his career when he's audited. Hello. Person surrenders their eyes to pornography and eventually loses their family. Huh? You see the bean field is important. God's looking for a generation with the spirit of shammah who will fiercely defend even the small victories. I believe that because he fought back, he likely denied the Philistines other victories down the line that would have followed, and the Holy Spirit saw fit to record this short account in Scripture for a reason. Shammah reveals that even the smallest of things are worth fighting for. And as we look around, it's obvious we're engaged in a spiritual battle on every front, but here's the good news. Anybody up for some good news? If you are a believer, how many is believers? Raise your hands. If you're a believer, yes, you're a warrior and you fight. But how many know we fight under this name of Jehovah? You've probably read it Jehovah Nissi. That means the Lord. Our banner of victory. In observation number four the Lord is looking for men and women who take a stand and will not back down. As Shammah defended the plot of land, perhaps it was part of his inheritance. I don't know. Perhaps not. But what he did might seem insignificant, but his stand. Turn the tide. You know, uh, students of warfare know that you can't always choose your preferred battleground. Historians tell us that, for example, the Battle of Gettysburg. did you know that battle happened entirely by accident? It was a chance meeting turned into a skirmish which became a battle that eventually drew the Army of Northern Virginia into mortal combat with the Army of the Potomac. And the whole course, they said, of that Civil War and ultimately of America itself hung on that chance meeting in Gettysburg in the early July, 1863. Sometimes you... Can choose your battles. Sometimes the battles choose you. And this man Shamma, he hadn't chose this battle. And he, if he would have chose the battle, he wouldn't have chose the battleground. Because that's probably why all the others fled. They wanted to go to a more strategic place. You don't want to just be out in the middle of a field. You want to be on a mountaintop, or you want to be somewhere where there's a, a small opening where you can defend it easily. But you're in, a, you're in a field of beans. You've got them coming in from all sides. Hello. And This man, Shammah, represents the kind of person God's looking for to enter the battle and keep hold of the high ground. In our day-to-day existence, security is often emphasized over courage. That's just, that's where we live now. We are taught to play it safe. And because of that, we often allow fear to rule our lives. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of going broke, fear of being alone. Fear of humiliation, fear of being ostracized by family and friends, fear of uh, physical discomfort, fear of regret, all these fears. Ambrose Redman said, quote, Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else more important than fear is going to take place. See, courageous people still get afraid, but they don't let that fear paralyze them and shamma stood with stood when the others fled and he held his ground and would not back down oh here's observation number 5 i'm going to get ready to close when we stand for god be assured he will stand with us you stand for god he'll stand with you look at verse 12 after it says all this, it says, and the Lord, who, <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord wrought a great victory. shammah stood his ground. But listen, it was ultimately God who defeated the Philistines that day in the bean field. And I want you to notice the, the name Shammah. Now, you know, Hebrew names take on significance. They didn't just name them for simply they liked the sound of it. The name Shammah points to this reality. You say, why choose the name Shammah? It's taken from a reference because it's actually one of the Hebrew names of God. Jehovah Shammah. If you remember, Jehovah Shammah means the Lord is present praise God Shamma's faith was not in himself it was in his God that he knew was presently with him somebody say God is there God was there He is Jehovah Shammah. So God gives the victory. Shammah may have held the sword, yes, but it was God who fought his battle because God had one man who was willing to stand and fight. The fields were protected. The people were saved from starvation and enslavery. Listen, let me conclude. Sister Jones, you can come to the piano. Let me ask you as you stand together. Who or what in your life this morning is worth fighting for? Listen, church, Broadway, I want to talk to you a minute here before I close. If we don't fight today, we're going to starve tomorrow. If the field is not protected, there's not going to be a harvest. Broadway, we cannot abandon the harvest. Broadway, we cannot flee the battle. Oh, hallelujah. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The fields in our life are uh, well worth the fight. Uh, we'll do our part, uh, but then count on God uh, who will give you the victory. May we never be willing to stand idly by. Hey, is anybody willing to say, Pastor, I'm not going to let the devil ransack our church? Somebody say, this is my bean field. Broadway, this is our bean field. Hello. I said, this is our bean field. <laughs> We'll never be willing to stand idly by and we'll definitely not be willing to turn and run. Why? Because may we be like Shammah. Take a stand for God regardless of the consequences and fight until the battle is won. Why not come before God this morning? Why don't you tell him, God, there's some things in my life worth fighting for. Hello? Is there anything in your life worth fighting for? I want you to come this morning, slip out of your seat. Maybe find a place to pray and tell God that you're going to take your stand and that you want to be found in the battle regardless of what others do. This much I know, Shammah said. I will defend my inheritance. I'm gonna defend what God has given me. I'm gonna defend my victories. I'm gonna defend my gains, my spiritual advances. I'm gonna defend my encouragement I received in revival. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. I I, I have a feeling he's talking to a couple people this morning. Oh, yes. Be Draw the line in the sand, and I'll not be ashamed with the world behind me and the cross before. By the grace of God, I will serve the Lord. I have made my decision.